<clears throat> episode 40 of the Rojo Show. I just want to get this out of the way. Um, this is not the director love episode. Boo, what the fuck? You said your mom was going to be on. We did all that writing on Facebook for nothing. You bullshitters. No, that's not true. Um, actually, my people and her people are in intense talks. We're trying to agree on terms. Um... Because I don't want to interview my mom. I want to interview my mom, but I don't want to interview her as me, if that makes any sense. I'd like to get, I want to have like a real true conversation with her um, without the um, the baggage or the necess- necessary um, decorum that may come with a, a, a mother-son relationship. There'll be some of that, but I just want us to be as as unfiltered and as real and raw as possible. And it will be because me and my mom have a weird relationship, and um, we'll talk about that um, in the podcast as well. But just, you know, if you came to this episode thinking she was going to be on here, um, I'd prefer it if you didn't, but you can leave. I'd prefer if you stayed because this one's going to be good, and the next one's going to be good too. Um, but like I said, we're trying to agree on terms. I'm getting questions together for her. She's getting questions together for me. She's denying some of my questions. I'm denying some of hers. Um, But she'll probably be on next week. We'll probably tape it Sunday. um, And then it'll be up early on Thursday of next week for you guys. Uh, What's the the next date? See if there's some math involved in that. Uh, Thursday of next week will be the 14th. Hmm. Wait, right? No, because today's not, today's the 6th. So, yeah. Thursday of next week will be the 14th. So, try to have that up early. Fresh for y'all on the 14th. Otherwise, um, episode 40, you got me. The roaster. Um, I would have recorded this earlier. This is a, a nocturnal edition of the podcast. I am recording this starting at 9.50 on um, Wednesday, 9.50 p.m. to post it uh, early tomorrow morning, hopefully, if not late tonight. I might just throw it up late tonight. Um, I'm working now, Monday through Friday. (sighs) Finishing a little bit of this yak. So I'm not... um, I'm not as free with my schedule to, you know, just write all week and um, and record it at liberty the way I used to. So there's a little bit more effort involved, which I'm not afraid to give or put in because um, I believe in the product. I believe in the fans. Um, I definitely believe in the host. So, um, yeah, you know, and I'm trying to keep it consistent for y'all. Not me. But I got some topics. Got some topics. Give you a little roadmap. Haven't gotten a roadmap in a while, have you? Um, the first thing I wanted to get out of the way was that part of your mom wasn't on this episode. Um, I'll talk a little NCAA basketball. Sorry, Keith. Keith, you'll be okay. You'll come back, my nigga. Um, a little basketball talk, Bulls versus Warriors. Um, we're going to talk about Apple stock dropping. We're going to talk about Black Girls Ross. Uh, <laughs> Black Girls Ross. That's what it should be called. Because Tracy Ellis Ross in that leather jumpsuit. My God. What you doing in that outfit, gal? Let's talk about that now. Let's just kick it off with that Black Girls Rock shit. Um, I 
I don't have a problem with the program. I think the program's great. I think what it promotes is um, powerful and, and needed and necessary. Um, Tracy Ellis Ross in that red leather jumpsuit. Who Who's not a fan of that? Forty-three, still looking good. That half black don't. That half black don't crack. That eye is a little wonky, and she can't really dance. Um, she can fake rap. Shouts out to T Murder, but um, that red leather jumpsuit. My God, she she acts like she doesn't know that she's slugging. Slugging is a slang term for carrying a fat ass. But, um, like, I mean, she, she knows it's there, but she doesn't let it stop her from doing things that would draw attention to it. That's what I mean. Because she knows it's there. She references it. And, man, she be showing it off in Blackish. That's one of the reasons I watch the show. I mean, the show is good. That little girl is funny. Uh, Diane, she's hilarious. That light skin, uh, the oldest son, looks like a mix of um, looks like a mix of Will and Emmanuel, with more hair, because both of them is on the downside of the hair stroke. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. Will admits it openly. He's still holding on like LeBron. Um, <laughs> Not holding on like he looks as bad as LeBron does with it, but holding on in a sense of like he he let him tell it his hair has always been that thin on the top, which may be true. I mean, I've only known E for 10 years now. Jesus, I've known E 10 years. Yeah, we met at Telesite and I wasn't 20 when we was at Telesite. So, yeah, I've known him. I've known E 10 years. Wow, it's crazy. And I've known Will. I mean, I've known Will since um, I've known Will since eighth grade. We met at uh, we met at a, a party that our schools were having together. He was at Sutherland, I believe, and I was at Kellogg, and we met at a party they threw together. We were introduced by a young lady, a young Irish lady by the name of Sheila Gleason. And little did we know we would be in division together at Jones for the next four years. And then we just hung on to each other. Pause. Um, Yeah. What else? Um, Black Girls Rock. So, yeah. Tracy Ellis Ross. Killed it in that red jumpsuit, boy. Boy, boy. Um... I didn't have issues with the show. Things I did have issues with. Okay. Um, so I'm all for recognizing that black girls, quote unquote, rock. But are we not acknowledging how or what they're rocking? For instance, like the little girl who picked out the, um, the black girl books. Awesome. The girl who changed her family's diet. Awesome. Pardon me for not knowing their names. I'm sorry. Um, the girls who supposedly organized the Black Lives Matter movement. All about it. Um, Shonda Rhimes, though? Mm, I don't know. I mean, Grey's Anatomy was good for like the first five seasons. And then it just seemed to go on and on and on. 
Um, I don't know if I necessarily agree with what happened with Isaiah Washington's career. I think he is a phenomenal actor. And if we can forgive, um, if we can forgive Mel Gibson for his anti-Semitic comments, I definitely think we can forgive Isaiah Washington for his use of the word faggot. Especially in, well, I don't want to, I don't know if it's especially, but I think we can forgive him for his use of the word faggot. Um, uh, but that uh, scandal is a terrible show. And it doesn't necessarily accentuate or promote a black girl that rocks. I mean,. I mean, Olivia Pope rocks in premise, in theory, as a business owner, as a uh, go-to fixer, but this whole thing with her being basically the president's concubine is kind of whack. I mean, she seems so... I I don't think there is another character on TV that can be so overwhelmed by the presence of their love interest who is married and who has a relationship with her um, her man master's wife. Um, How to Get Away with Murder. I can't bring myself to pay attention to that show, but a lot of people like it, so I guess that means she rocks. I don't know. I feel like... If, so... Would we, if if there was a, a female crack dealer who was successful at selling crack to a community and made a lot of money from it and handed out turkeys on Thanksgiving and Christmas, would she get an award too? I don't know. And then the fact that they had a uh, Hillary Clinton ass up there, kind of just, I don't know. They send a lot of mixed messages. You know, Rihanna. Listen, I love Rihanna. Obviously, um, I do. I, I would do uh, illegal things to Rihanna. Um, but do I think that she should be touted? Do I think she should be uh, touted and praised as a? As a hero for young black girls, do I think that she should be considered a role model for young black girls? I don't know. I don't know. And she didn't have a speech, which means, which, you know, causes me to think that maybe she was a little confused about why she was receiving the award as well. I don't know. I mean, I would certainly like more black girls to um, have a relaxed attitude towards um, recreational marijuana and get meaningful tattoos that are, you know, actual art pieces instead of like kisses on their titties and on their necks or like, you know, keys to my heart with my daughter's name on the key and my baby daddy's name on the heart. I mean, of course, um, I would definitely like them to learn how to slow wine. I mean, not that it would, you know, benefit me. I mean, women my age need to know how to slow wine, but, um, but um, I don't I don't know. I don't know if I, I don't 
I don't know if I had if I had a 12 year old daughter, I don't know how comfortable I would be with her watching a show because I would definitely want her to watch a show and be um, excited about a show entitled Black Girls Rock. But I don't know how I would feel about Rihanna being celebrated or being put up as a role model for her. Although I, as a virile man, enjoy Rihanna, I don't know how much I would want my daughter to emulate or follow in the footsteps of Rihanna. But that's neither here nor there. I can't talk too much about it because then I'll be accused of hating women in some way. Um, Another thing I didn't really have, I really had some questions about or kind of gave me cause to pause was Lauren Hill. Now listen, L Boogie is why I call Bradley Boogie. If you don't know that, Bradley is my little sister. I nickname her Boogie. Big fan. Now let me just let me just tell you who the fuck I am when it comes to Lauren Hill. Um, I owned the Fuji's first album, the horrible one, not the one with all the remixes on it. That was that was good. The Fuji's first album. Um, I got it on a tape from LaShawn, um, my cousin. <clears throat> um, blunted on reality, had the cassette, which was not good. Okay. The remix to their first album was the one with, you know, the remix of Vocab and um how hard is it? And nappy heads and boom bath, all of that type of shit. Um, you know, refugees on the mic, shout out from the block. I had the remix album to Blunted on Reality. The first album was officially trash. Now the Fuji's um, the score. The score was that shit. Okay, that's the one with Ready or Not. Here I come. You can't hide. Gonna find you. Listen. Ready or not, refugees taking over. The Buffalo Soldier. Dread like Rasta. On the 12th hour. Fly by on my bomber. Fools. Listen. That second album was the heat. Okay. Lauren Hill is undoubtedly, okay, without question, the best lyricist in the Fugees, okay? Praz is not even in the conversation. He's in the group, not in the conversation as best lyricist. Wyclef is probably the most talented out of the three on production, plays guitar, plays piano, quote-unquote sings, also raps, um, came to America from Haiti as a child, learned English, by far the most talented, and easily has the wider catalog of work. But Lauren, Lauren, Lauren Hill is the most talented lyricist in the group when it comes to rapping, all right? Um, easily top three female MCs, okay? I will argue this with anyone. Lauren Hill is easily one of the top three greatest MCs of all time. And for one major reason, you ready? You ready? 
there has never been talk of Lauren Hill not writing her lyrics. Now, all that music on um all that music on miseducation is a different story. But um as far as um Sorry, I'm Googling something right now. Um, But as far as, you know, all of the kind of stories that came out of, um, you know, uh, who wrote, um, you know, who wrote, what am I looking for? Hold on one second. Who wrote, you know, Lil' Kim's rhymes? Who wrote, um... Who wrote uh, Foxy Brown's lines? Who wrote, um, you know, Foxy Brown, Little Kim? There's even some talk about, you know, who did or didn't write some of Nicki Minaj's lyrics. Um, it is, um, it's a uh, it's it's none of that has ever been said about Lauren Hill. Lauren Hill writes the majority of her raps now. Um the shit on miseducation is not so much. Now uh, Lauren Hill on miseducation. Now let me give you some background on miseducation because that came up in the prime of my musical development, okay? I was in either 6th or 7th grade when Miss Education of Lauren Hill came out. Miss Education came out in... What year was that shit came out? It was released August 25th of 98. I had it... Um... In February, maybe? No, no, no. I had it that year. So I had it in maybe October, November, maybe November-ish. Um, I had Miseducation. I had I bought Miseducation and Belly at the same time. Uh, from, it might have been Sam Goody in the Plaza. Whichever store in the Plaza... Evergreen Plaza on 95th, basically 95th and Western. If you walk into the plaza from the side that used to be Walgreens, which is now Planet Fitness, if you walk in the plaza right there, you turn, it's a jewelry shop right there. Um, I feel like it was like between the Lark and like some other clothing store, but it, I think it was Sam Goody. Um, but I bought. The Miseducation of Lauryn Hill and the Belly soundtrack at the same time. And I was honestly, I was banging that Miseducation more than I was banging. um, Much more than I was banging um, the uh, the Belly album. The Belly album grew on me more. But, um, yo. That Lauryn Hill album was crazy. You must mean some, but you really lost one. You just lost one. It's so silly. How come? 
she dropped some crazy rhymes on that song. Um, but uh, she made an appearance last night, night before last, whatever one it was, um, on the um, on the Black Girls Rocks thing. Now, um, big fan of Lauren Hills, obviously. Um, Zion is an ill song. I mean, number one, the whole premise of the album with the kids in the classroom was raw. I don't know if she bit that from somebody. Um, we'll get to that later. But um, the song was incredible. Um, album was incredible. Now, um, she won how many Grammys? She won a gang of Grammys for that album. Um, I'm looking on Wikipedia right now, trying to see what she won. She won a. She was. It's always that picture of her holding all the Grammys, though. She won a lot of them. She killed the album. Album was raw. Um, but she did not write that album. And subsequently, she can't perform a lot of it. Um, it was a largely collaborative album. Um, between Lauren Hill and um, I believe her husband, or did she? I don't know if she ever wrote. If she ever, um, I don't know if she ever married Julian Marley. It's Julian Marley, right? Um, which one of her husbands was it? Sorry, I'm looking up something right now. Um. Rohan Marley, Rohan Marley, who, I mean, niggas is always talking about what uh, Erica Badu did to Common and what she did to Andre 3000. Look at what he did to Lauren Hill, okay? Um, but um, she did, uh, she did not write all of those songs. She, you know, a lot of them were written by um, this group known as the New Ark, which was a group of um, of musicians, and um, all of the track listing on the album primarily said written and produced by Lauren Hill, and I guess um, Wyclef had gotten a little whiff of this. Because he had written songs and had produced stuff. And it was largely rumored that Lauren Hill would kind of be like, hey, we just going to say that I wrote this. And don't say nothing about Wyclef being in on it. Now, I say all that to say that she is definitely a black girl that rocks. And even minus her work that is highly disputed on miseducation, I really like her Unplugged album. I mean, my sister is like a stan of that shit. Like, she listens to that shit with a denim jacket and a baseball cap on, and she feels like she is Lauren Hill on that shit. Like, Adam Lives in Theory was a killer, and I remember watching it, actually, when it aired on MTV. And I listened to all the songs and I listened to those speeches she gave about the world and how it can be evil. But um, 
I mean, she, her talent, in my opinion, is still very much questioned. Not her rap ability, because I believe she can rap. And I'd put her up against, I mean, even Queen Latifah. Queen Latifah had Apache writing for her. Not Apache like Jump On It. Apache, this uh, rapper from uh, uh, New Jersey, where Lauren Hill is also from. But, um... So the other uh, at the Black Girl Rock thing, she performed uh, Lost Ones, which I thought was interesting because Lost Ones is not the song that you would perform at the Black Girls Rock event if you are trying to portray a message to young black girls. I think the appropriate song to perform nowadays, especially. In the day of Nicki Minaj and in the day of love and hip hop and in the day of quote unquote Instagram models would be that thing. Okay. Um, fake hair like Europeans. Um, uh, well, we like Europeans. Fake nails done by Koreans. Come again. Please come again. That's the song. Where's my bell? Okay. That thing is what she should have been performing. Let's keep it all the way 100 right now. What else have I said that uh deserved a bell? Um she's definitely the most talented rapper in the Fuji's. Um she didn't write all them songs on Miseducation. Um I definitely got that album in um, in the fall of 98 and um, I banged it a lot more than the Belly album now shouts out to SK and Sean and Lil Brianna because um, when I was riding to school with them in, um, on, in, in B's van the brown were we in a brown van yet? we was in a brown van yeah the brown van it was brown with some stripes on it. And it would always stop on us. But um, Sean was real into loud, bangy music in the car because he had two other brothers who had stereo systems in their cars. And I remember uh, fucking Marlon even had a kill switch on his subs uh, in his um Ah, that was a cutlass. He had a four-door cutlass. Old school. And he had a kill switch under the steering wheel so that he could kill the subs when he rolled by the police or, you know, when the law pulled up on him or whatever, he can kill the sub. And um, because back then the speakers were a big thing in Chicago and the cops had like a what was like a, a 20 foot rule or a 10 foot rule or some shit. If they could hear your stereo from 10 feet away, you got a ticket. So he had to kill switch under 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 the steering wheel and. Um, Kevin had a couple whips. Like Kevin had, Kevin definitely had. Did he have Illumina? I think Kevin had Illumina for a minute. But then Mike had the two door red Illumina with the bang in it, and Biggie had the Riviera with the uh, fucking mono blocks on it with the bang in it. Um, you know Clifford had the. Uh, did Jason have his? Um, did Jason have his Chrysler yet? 
Shouts out to Meathead. I don't know if he had his Chrysler yet. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So Sean was all about bang. So when I told him I had the, that belly soundtrack, the only song niggas knew about on the belly soundtrack was Here Comes the Boom. Okay, the Mr. Vegas and Sean Paul and DMX joint. Here comes the boom. Here comes the boom. Here comes the boom. Boom and bouncing. Stalking and squawking. Out like a fountain. Hit him where it counts in. That shit went hard. So Sean was all about banging that shit. Because, you know, Sean's family is from Belize. So as soon as he heard that dance hall rhythm, that reggae rhythm, he was all about it. But I'm like, yo, Lauren Hill got some shit on there, too, that's like some heavy Because I was thinking about that lost one shit. Boom. You might win some, but you just lost one. Which makes sense with this new art group who is primarily made of island motherfuckers. And, you know, with um with Julian Marley coming through, who wrote some of the songs and was in a lot of the recording sessions, she recorded a lot of the um the album in Jamaica. With Rohan. So, um, at Tough Gong Studios. So, um, so yeah, so like, so when she performed that song at Black Girls Rock, I knew that she was primarily performing that song because the rest of that album is probably heavily wrapped up in some litigation type shit. So, um, so, um, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was weird. And then they did some kind of like sped up, like weird version of it. And I don't know. I mean, a lot of it was really reminiscent of the, uh, black party debacle. Um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, um, Dave Chappelle's Block Party. So if you if you're familiar with that, if you've seen that movie, um, concert movie, whatever you want to call it, Lauren Hill was supposed to perform there solo. She was supposed to do songs from Miseducation of Lauren Hill. But because of the litigation it was wrapped up in, because of the songs, because of them not being able to get clearance for the songs, they ended up making a last minute move, bringing the whole Fuji's crew and making it a Fuji's reunion, which then sparked all these rumors of a possible uh, Fuji's reunion album and blase, blase, blase. But, um,. If Lauryn Hill had just gave credit where credit was due on that album, she would have been able to perform the song. She would be celebrated now, and she probably would still have hair and wouldn't be walking around looking crazy. But with all that said, a lot of love for Lauryn Hill. Still a big fan. The performance was still pretty good. Um, I just wish she could be properly celebrated for the work that she definitely took part in with the album The Miseducation, which is easily one of the um, benchmark albums in the genre known as um, neo-soul. So that's that. Um, Moving on. A little basketball talk. 
Um, did I? I'm sorry. Just to close out on Black Girls Rock, did I talk about Tracy Ellis Ross? Oh my God! If I would do illegal things to Rihanna, I would. I don't know. I would spend a full day just worshiping Tracy Ellis Ross's, just her womanhood, just, just worshiping it. You know, just holding. Washing, massaging, oiling, just, just, mm, just appreciating what, what she is and what she is made of. Mm. And then I would put on that weekend, that first weekend album, House of Balloons, and it would go down. Moving on. Um, was it one of the best NCAA finals games ever? Possibly. And that's not, um, that's not me being a prisoner of the moment. It could be though, because I'm, I am nowhere near as well versed in NCAA history as I am in say, um, the career of Outcast or, um, the catalog of the Ohio players or um, the impact of um, the impact of the Slim Shady LP. I am not nearly as well versed in NCAA basketball as I am in those things. What I can say is that the double clutch three pointer by Marcus Page followed by the the effortless three-pointer by Jenkins to seal the game and and send Roy Williams and the UNC Tar Heels into a whirlwind of emotion was one of the few times I have made audible sounds in a basketball game that I was not involved in. Um, when that shot was made by Marcus Page, because I I went to UIC, which does does not have a college athletic program. They have it, but it I mean it's I don't even know if they're in the Horizon League. I don't know what league the UIC Flames are in. Um which definitely causes me to um at times poo-poo the um the enthusiasm or the institution that is college sports um but i know that there are people that uh worship and hold college sports in far more regard than professional sports. And I can understand why. I can't remember the last time a professional player cried because of a loss. Um, yeah, I can't remember it. But every year, if there is a senior on a team that um, comes into the tournament with some sort of promise or some sort of... Um, momentum when they go down those seniors are heartbroken because they may not play another 
meaningful basketball game. I mean, they may play in Europe for a couple years purely for um, monetary reasons, but a lot of them go on to um, somewhat, I don't want to say mediocre, but they, they very much become civilians, uh, which can be a an immense culture shock coming from the um the the regalness of being a college star most times in a small college town you are somewhat um an a um somewhat of a celebrity you know you're known at the gas station you're known in the in the grammar schools you're known in the mall and then you're somewhat thrusted into mediocrity um not mediocre by a normal person standard, but mediocre by the term, uh, by the, by the, by the, in, in the terms of how you were celebrated for these four years of your life. So I definitely understand the passion that the, the fans have and, and that the players have. But um, that was a, an amazing game. It was really good. It was close, especially considering how, lackluster some of the other games in the series were i mean oklahoma shouts out to buddy hill's teeth um were shellacked in the final four game um syracuse and nc was a little closer but um the villanova game the villanova unc game was very entertaining And might I say, might I say, Jay Wright, impeccably dressed, very well groomed, looked really good. Pause. But um, yeah, that was a that was a hell of a shot. And apparently, that's a set play that they run and they practice, and it's a simply and eloquently called Nova. It's a it's a last second play that they practice. That is uh, drilled into their heads, and as seen by the the effortless execution of the play, um, it it definitely reinforces the importance of practice and um, what muscle memory can do. Because he looked like when that ball left his hands, he knew it was gonna be a swisher. Um, so yeah, shouts out to them. I'm sorry, Keese. Uh, I'm sorry they lost. Marquise is uh, one of E's friends that I met. I guess he's one of my friends too, I suppose. Um, if I was, if I had a bottle or if I had a, a root, I would not hesitate to pour him a cup or pass it to him. So uh, a friend of my friend is my friend. But um, he's a big UNC fan. Which I don't. Why? Why are you a UNC fan if you did not go to the school and you do not live in North Carolina? Is that like a? Because their their players change every year. So is it like that's the school that Michael Jordan went to? Is it like that's the school? I don't. I'd have to ask him about that. I guess I don't know. Um, I know that there are people that are Bulls fans because Michael Jordan played here. But the Bulls have still been somewhat successful 
not really. Not, not, I mean, the couple years after Jordan retired, when Pippen was still there and Kukoc was still there, they were okay. Um, I mean, up until this year, they were really good the last, what, fucking seven years? I bet they're looking for Tibbs now. Um, wow. That's, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that shows the, the, uh, short-sightedness of other teams like the Lakers or the Cleveland Cavaliers or some of the other teams that fire their coach, the Knicks who fire their coaches after one year of bad performance. But, um, wow, if Tibbs would come back, I would be trying to get him back. I mean, consider all the success he saw without his star player and then the first year that Derek would seemingly be be healthy and be committed for a I mean what by his standards for the last five years would be a long long stretch of games Tibbs isn't even here to to see what he built to fruition and fucking Fred Hoiberg, he couldn't even come in and do his best Steve Kerr impression because we know we know who built that Warriors team. Shouts out to Mark Jackson. Um, but, you know, Steve Kerr came in and saw that, you know, the road was basically paved. The picture was primarily painted. Picture primarily painted. Thank you for that alliteration off the top of the dome. But, um... You know, he just had to color in, you know, fill in the lines and color by numbers because Mark Jackson had already kind of laid out the blueprint. Tibbs had kind of given, I mean, Joe Kim was injured more than usual this year. I'll give you that. But for the most part, Derek was back. Jimmy Butler had finally made, uh, you know, turned the corner into a um, a B-plus player in the league. Um, was he an all-star? Might have been an all-star this year. Pau Gasol had a career season. Um, You know, Nikola uh, uh, Miracic was coming off. You know, Bobby Portis was playing good ball. Um, McDermott was getting some McBuckets. And we've never had an issue with um, backup point guards. I mean, we got two outstanding years from Nate Robinson. We got a really good year from DJ Augustine and we've gotten two solid years from Aaron Brooks. But uh, as soon as we get our star player back, for some reason we lose or decide to give up and take control from the coach who had kind of pushed us and made us who we were. And now Jerry Reinsdorf is making is being inducted into the Hall of Fame. For what? I don't fucking know. Maybe there's some research I need to do. Maybe I'm ignorant. Maybe it's really Krauss that was the piece of shit and Reinsdorf was good. They're both named Jerry, and I hate the name Jerry because when I say, Hi, my name is Jared, um, a select group of douchebag dickheads like to say, Jerry? Your name's Jerry? No, my name's Jared, and I know I'm pronouncing it correctly. That's one thing me and my friend Bryant, Bryant, that's with a T, like Bryant Gumble, um, had in common, constantly correcting people on our fucking names. Um, speaking of the, well, should we go into who's getting inducted into the Hall of Fame? Um, 2016 Basketball 
Hall of Fame. Now, of course, we know the big names. We know Shaq is going into the Hall of Fame. We know Allen Iverson is going into the Hall of Fame. We know Cheryl Swoops is going into the Hall of Fame. Is it Cheryl Swoops? Mm, Yeah. Um, As to not offend my political connects, I will mention that uh, Tom Izzo is also being inducted into the Hall of Fame. Although my political connects don't give a fuck about offending me, I will not be as ignorant as them. I will not offend them. And I will mention that Tom Izzo, coach of the Michigan State Spartans, um, led the Michigan State Spartans to seven straight NCAA Final Four appearances, um, 18 consecutive strips to the tournament, um, and 10 regular season championships. Um, I'll mention that he's also being uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame. But Shaq, come on, Big Daddy Shaq, four-time NBA champion. Fuck out of here. You serious? Allen Iverson, uh, you know, Shaq was a, we'll stay on Shaq. Shaq, four-time NBA champion, um, 15-time NBA All-Star. I'm pretty sure if Shaq gained, joined the league right now, he'd probably be voted onto the All-Star team. Um, Olympic gold medalist. One of the 50 greatest uh, NBA players of all time. Um, Just an an amazing career, an amazing personality, and definitely one of the most promising after-basketball careers of all time. Um, Allen Iverson, come on. 11-time NBA All-Star. You know, uh, first-team All-NBA. Led the league in scoring. Four times, 99, 2001, 2002, 2005. Rookie of the year from Hampton, VA. Okay, went to G-Town. Come on, get it right. Um, you know, um, would I say he was the inventor of the crossover? Of course not. I would never, ever offend um, Chicago's own Tim Hardaway. I would never offend Chris Jackson, a.k.a. Abdul Mahmoud Raouf, um, all glory be to Allah for 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 Chris, uh, my man who refused to stand up during the national anthem. I like revolutionary shit like that. Would I say AI invented the crossover? Never. Would I say he remixed it for sure? Would I say he implemented it in some of the most deadly one-on-one matchups the game has ever seen? Yes. I would also say that he's one of the most overrated crossover artists in the world, primarily because of something I mentioned um, in an earlier podcast. He did that. He, he shook Michael Jordan one time. One time he crossed over Michael Jordan, and that is his greatest play ever, mainly just because it's, Alan, it's Michael Jordan, not because it was a great move. Um, definitely ushered in the hip hop era of um, basketball. Um, I would love and I hope he wears a suit to his actual induction, but um, I somewhat doubt it because although he is an awesome basketball player and although on one hand I celebrate his his um 
I'm thinking of a word right now. I'm having a, a James Lathan moment. His proclivity to buck the system. His um his denial of um mainstream rules and um his now infamous practice speech. Um I also would wish that um he would grow up a little and um, somewhat uh, learn from the mistakes of others instead of having to make the same mistakes. Um, but again, is he one of my favorite players? Somewhat. Uh, if I, he, He'd probably make like my top 10 list. He wouldn't make my top five favorite basketball players. He'd probably make my t- top 10 list. He'd definitely make my top five favorite point guards. Other top five favorite point guards would probably be, um, we'll throw Allen Iverson in there. We'll throw Baron Davis in there. Um, Top five point guards, point guards. I really like Russell Westbrook, mainly because he is holding on to a competitive spirit that I feel is largely lost in the NBA right now. Um, top five point guards. Michael Jordan is not a point guard. He's a shooting guard. Um, I mean, I didn't really. Uh, I would put Isaiah Thomas up there. Um, and uh, I mean, listen, I really like Jason uh, Jay Williams. Jay Williams was a beast when he was with the Sacramento Kings. That could be my top five favorite point guards. Maybe. I'm not mad at that list. I'm not mad at that list. You got to consider how old I am. I mean, I'm 30. Fuck. Um, So, you know, those were the ones that were really popping during my prime or during my prime, you know, fandom years. Um, I, I, I I was a Jason Kidd fan when he was in Phoenix. I don't know if he'd make my top five. Um, I was also a Damon Stoudemire fan when he was in when he was with the Raptors, or no, no, no when he was with the Trailblazers. E, they had a whip. Um, but yeah, shouts out to them. Cheryl Swoops. Um, was she the first woman with a signature basketball shoe? Six-time WNBA All Star. Um, five-time WNBA First Team selection. Um, she set an NCAA uh, championship record for points scored with 47. Damn. Scored 47 points. It's crazy. Um, but, yeah. Getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. Shouts out to everybody. Congratulations. Um, speaking of basketball, there was a lot of conversation about would the 95-96 Warriors be, uh, Bulls beat the, the, um, the Warriors of this year. Um, the answer is unequivocally and unquestionably yes. Um, not only was Michael Jordan one of the most um, talented and prolific shooters, are we forgetting that he was a lockdown defender? Are we forgetting that um, you know not only was he all was he like first team offensive, he was also first team defense. Are we forgetting about Scottie Pippen? Are we forgetting about? Um, What's that guy's name who won all those defensive player of the year awards and 
led the league in rebounds as an under. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Dennis Rodman. Come on, man. Draymond Green wish he was half the player Dennis Rodman is. Um, Dennis Rodman would lock down um, Draymond Green. He would lock down Andre Iguodala. He would lock down um, Andrew Bogut. Um, and he could handle the switch off to Clay or um, or uh, my man. The question is, what era are they playing in? Now, if the Warriors played, of the if the Warriors of today played in '95 or '96, they would get their fucking asses whooped because they couldn't handle all the defense. And by defense, I mean fouling. Um, hand checking was legal back then, fellas. So, um, you know, all that stuff that, um, you know, Isaiah Thomas was catching heat for for talking about um, earlier this year, it would come true because they would be putting hands on Steph Curry's hips and they would be forcing him not to turn or they would be forcing him to his left. They would be putting a hand in his face and they would not be getting called for it. Now, vice versa, if the Bulls came up and played this year, Michael Jordan would be running all over them because they wouldn't be able to handle him. Let's not forget, the only reason that the Pistons beat the Bulls those two, was it two years or three years? Two years or three years? Three years or four years? The only reason the Pistons beat the Bulls those years is because they were beating the fuck out of Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. They were fouling them every time they came to the basket. And now that we've seen the bad boy 30 for 30, shouts out to the pod father, um, we know that there were rules in place and that they did this shit on purpose, which is why Jordan had to come back like Superman that year. He put on all that muscle. He started training with the dude that trained Kobe. Um, he started training with the dude who then Kobe went and got to start training him. I can't remember his name right now. Put on all that muscle and he was ready for the bullshit. Um, but it would be uh, it would be an interesting game. I mean, Charles Barkley kind of gave himself a, a kind of hedged his bets and um, you know said that you know the Wizards will win one game, but um. I mean, I don't know. I guess I'd hedge mine, too, and say, no, nobody would get swept. But I would definitely put my money on the Bulls, without a doubt. Just, I don't even see how that's a conversation. Um, Apple losing sales. You know why? Because the Samsung Galaxy phones are fucking awesome. That's why. They're waterproof again. They got fast charging. They got fast wireless charging. They have a low light camera. Sorry, my phone's going off. Um, still recording. Sent a little text message right then. Um, ugh, so yeah. Um, I'm gonna be in a wedding Saturday. I need to. Tomorrow I go for my final fitting for my tux. And after that, I'm going to try to rush and get a haircut. I think I'm going to take my beard down a little bit, get it shaped up real nice. Uh, maybe get some twists thrown in my hair so that I could take them out Saturday and look like a boss. Um, tomorrow's going to be a busy night for me. Need to put some gas in the car. Um, yep, going to be in a wedding. Got to write a speech. Got to get all my angst out before I write the speech, which is going to be hard because I'm going to be around the annoying bride the night before. And I feel like she's going to piss me off, which is going to make me want to go into that speech and just like air shit out. But I won't. You know why? Because I love the groom 
and I can't do that to him because he's held me down in some tight situations, so got to hold him down, although this is not the way I would want to do it. I would much rather donate a kidney, you know? I'd much rather give him a finger from my right hand because I'm left-handed anyway, right? But instead, I have to put aside my personal feelings and deliver a, I mean, if I'm going to give a speech, it's got to be good, right? You know, because I'm Rojo. So got to give a, a rousing, a, um, a, 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 a tear summoning, a, um, something something beautiful something that you know the intellectuals on his side of the family and the neanderthals on her side of the family can both um understand and appreciate alike so gotta work on that uh in these type of situations i'd love it if i could you know like speak from my heart but if i spoke from my heart i'd probably not be welcomed in their home again so, gotta put some work into that, but it'll be good. I mean, he should have brought me with him to pick out the tuxes. I mean, I don't know where he got off thinking that he could handle all the styling for himself. I mean, I mean, I feel like I'm most of my friends' best dressed friend. But, you know, to each his own. She probably picked the colors anyway. But you know. Shout out to Girl Scout cookies. Alright, well. I wouldn't say I'm drunk, but I'm way too inebriated to be speaking on something I care about. Um Plus he listens to this podcast. I probably should have told him, hey, turn this off. I'm talking about you for the next two minutes. But, um, so yeah, this will be up. Uh, I'll probably post it tonight just to get it out the way. And, um, Party Girl Mom will be on the show next Thursday. But I'll be recording it Saturday or Sunday, probably Sunday. So send in your questions. If you have questions for Party Girl Mom, please email me at therojoshow at gmail.com. Hit me up on the Rojo Show Facebook page. Hit me up on my Facebook page. Those who know my government know where to find my Facebook page. Hit me up on Twitter, Rojo on Twitter. Hit me up on Instagram, ShyRojo1 on IG. Please get me some good questions for Party Girl Mom because I want to take advantage of this time where I'll be able to speak to her as her son, but not but ask questions not of her son. Um, I want to ask her about her parenting style when it came to me and my sister. I want to ask her about, um, you know, her love of music. My mom does this thing when a really good song comes on where she'll like. She she doesn't scream, but she woo, she does this. It's it's something, but um, it's something that I've taken to. It's it's almost like a. The only thing I can really, really compare it to, is being in a church, 
And you know how pastors, you you know, pastors, you know, they say something and there are people in the church that, you know, stand up and throw their hands in the air and have this this uncontrollable reaction to the words that are being said. My mom has that reaction when she hears. uh, That's the that's the little child running wild from um. Curtis Mayfield, when that little child running wild, watching wild. I can't sing right now because I'm drunk, but I'm not drunk. I'm pretty tipsy though. Um, or when um, uh, what's another one that she really likes? Um. Is there an Isaac Hayes song that she Fs with real hard? Not really. Uh, Summer Breeze. Um, There's some Marvin Gaye joints that goes hard. Um, Some lesser known Marvin Gaye joints. Did I just say Marvin Gaye? I miss Smokey Robinson. Um, That, you know, will get, if they come on, she will have a a physical reaction to it. I want to know where that came from. I want to know where um, her insistence to be involved and be aware of current things that her kids are into came from. Because, you know, even when I was listen, when I was coming of age and I was really banging music from my room, she appreciated that and she understood it. And and I believe that was because at one point she was my age or a little older and she played music loud. And there were songs that spoke to her on a, on a certain level and songs that she really cared about and songs that really spoke to her. So I, I feel like that's why she appreciated the music I was listening to at the time. Some of her favorite current songs are she really likes No Diggity by Blackstreet. She really likes um, a couple of Pink's earlier songs. Um uh, what's that one? Not There You Go, but, um, I can't think of it right now. Um, she really, really loves 50 Cent's P.I.M.P. Um, uh, she really likes that, um, is that Black? Oh, baby, bring it on to me. She's a big fan of that song. Um, she really likes Joe, I Wanna Know. So these are obviously songs that are after her time, not after her, yeah, after her time, not not after her time, because music is one of those things that transcends age, but um, they're definitely more current songs where there are definitely older people who get stuck in, you know, songs that are like pre-90, whereas she, you know, there were songs that I would be singing and she would be singing too. So there's a lot of things I want to talk to her about. And um, if those of you that have heard about my mom or um, developed relationships with my mom, if you all have questions for her, I would love for you to add to the conversation so that you can hear some of those questions asked on next week, April 14th. I believe it's the 14th, uh, next Thursday. Next Thursday is officially the Party Girl Mom episode. So hit me with those questions. Thank you for listening. This is episode 40 of the Rojo Show. And as always, if you're not listening, no. See, I'm fucking up. That's how fucked up I am. If you're not sharing, you're not a fan. As always, if you're not sharing, you're not a fan.
Peace. One.